Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and the inimitable Robert Bricky. I hope everybody's having a good morning. For the next two hours, we're going to serenade you with the sweet sounds of sports. Guys, big weekend in sports. For anybody that is not living in a cave, they were stunned when they woke up this weekend and found out that Paul George had been traded. Um, how is it that in an, in the day and age of social media and everything being accessible, in fact, we, we talked last week to um, um, Chucky Brown, and he said he didn't like the tabloid coverage of free agency because every possible rumor is out there. How is it that this snuck under everybody's radar? I just think... Uh I think Kawhi Leonard was just sitting in his living room going, I'm going to wait until everybody's asleep. I, I keep having visions that he had a long-haired cat in his lap yeah. and was just stroking the cat. And with like a red robe <laughs> with a long cigarette and a glass of sherry. Just going, <laughs> <laughs> Man, so the, the word on the street right in the immediate aftermath of this deal is that the Clippers are a super team. Let, let me let me break something down for everybody. I don't care if Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA or the second best player. I don't care if Paul George is top five or top ten. In this day and age, given what we've seen with the Miami Heat and then subsequently the Golden State Warriors, two players does not a super team make. What this does, the winner in this whole situation is the NBA. Because now we could spend the rest of the, the, the next two hours arguing about who the favorites in the West are, and you can make a decent case for five or six different teams. It makes the Clippers viable again, probably more so um, than the the you know the previous iteration of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. It's going to be an interesting team there in the other side of the Staples Center because you've got the Lakers that are there with AD and LeBron. But a case can be made for Utah, for Portland, for Houston. Um, is this a super team in your eyes? You talking about the Clippers? Yeah, yeah. I don't think there is a super team anymore. I think it's balanced almost all over amongst. I don't know. Maybe would you say maybe six teams all over the NBA? Maybe maybe two out east. Well, who are the your Sixers? two teams? Who which two teams out east are we? Talking Sixers, about? Milwaukee Bucks. All right, um, and, you, and you've just completely discounted Trent's Boston Celtics squad. Yeah, man. I, I, I just enough. think they're they're just second tier. They're not bad. I mean, they could they could end up. I don't know winning the whole thing. I don't know. But right now, as it sits, you know, you got um, you got the two teams out east. Then what if Westbrook ends up going to Houston Rockets? We still haven't talked about him yet. Like, I mean, him going to one of these top six teams if that happens would shift the entire weight over. I think to that team. Like, if he ends up with Houston and James Harden. You got to look at. I think if you're an odds maker in Las Vegas, I feel like you got to shift the them to be favorites. All right. Well, first things first, the, the nuts and bolts, which is what Robert Bricky is here for, the, to, to look really, real. really good, and and to talk nuts and bolts. The Houston Rockets are the first team out of anybody's mouth with regard to making a deal for Russell Westbrook. I think that's more because the insiders look around and they're like, mm, find me a GM with with some imagination, and Daryl Morey's near the top of that list. He's made some deals nobody thought could get done. It's going to take some real creativity to make this happen. But the Houston Rockets have 
three options here. One, they can stand pat with what they have. Two, they can try to make a deal for Russell Westbrook with Chris Paul still on the squad, which may be easier to do from one standpoint because Chris Paul has an impossibly untradeable contract, you would think. Or, theoretically, they could try to make a deal with Chris Paul on the roster. Now, I don't even know. I I played with some salary cap numbers this weekend. They would have to gut the team to do this. First of all, is there any way that Chris Paul, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook on the floor together works from a basketball standpoint? Yes or no? Well, well, that was easy. (laughs) Appreciate your feedback. The nuts and bolts. I'll tell you why. I think chemistry. Harden and Westbrook are ball-centric, to say the least. Certainly. Uh, So... Then Chris Paul's, I think, in a way, complaining that he's not getting enough touches. So to play with those guys, Westbrook or Harden, you need pieces to fit around them, not guys who need to have control of the ball to feel like they're an important part of that that system. So I think their chemistry is not good now. (laughs) It gets worse if you add Westbrook. All right, so, so just for giggles, I want to poll the room. If you had the opportunity, given given that Harden is going to be there, would you prefer to have Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook as his backcourt mate? <laughs> I think it's not even close, dude. In fact, I think Chris Paul would be a addition by subtraction. Does does anybody think that Chris Paul knows he's old <laughs> and not the Clippers Chris Paul? Like, I mean, I, I think, well, to answer your question, Westbrook and Harden would be really, I think, in this mature state of their careers, would be really fun to watch. So I say Westbrook. Trent? I think Chris Paul's better for him because he's more willing to give up the ball to Harden and let him take over. I think with Westbrook averaging the triple-double the last, what, two years, three years? Two years. Is it three? Uh, three. Two. Is it three? Really? Well, let's just call it three. Yeah. Sure. I, mean, sure. It's, I think it's four. I don't think Harden and Westbrook <laughs> – could live together like that. I don't see that game coming together. All right, well, we have a split room. Bricky? I'd say Chris Paul for the same reasons Trent uh, just stated. What? He's he's more willing to take a back seat, and Westbrook's an alpha dog. He needs the ball. He needs to be in control, and, and he's not a very good shooter. So... Look, I, I'm willing to I'm willing to say a lot of things about Russell Westbrook. However, with the injury he played through last year, I think that was more of a contributing factor to the shooting woes, because Westbrook in his career has been a high volume shooter, hasn't been you know a marksman by any stretch of the imagination. But I think the shooting that we saw from Westbrook last year is a blip on the radar screen. I think he'll be I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be okay. Um, the other thing is his numbers. It's not even necessarily the mechanics of his shot a lot of times. He takes bad shots. Right. And last year it was mind-numbing because there was obviously another option in that offense. And for you know stretches of the game, they would play within that offense, and the offense ran through Russell Westbrook to Paul George. But then in the most, at the most inopportune times, Westbrook would pull up from you know, 33 feet. And you're like, what are you doing? What what is this? So I don't know. I I think that it's not close. I I understand what you're saying about the chemistry and the matching of skill sets with Chris Paul, but the idea of having 
Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden on the floor together, to me, is the superior of those matchups. Now, it seems to me that nobody wants to play with Westbrook. I, 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 I'm tr- we're trying to get to the bottom of that, and hopefully right. we're, we're, we're hoping to get a call in here. We're working on that right now because we could spend the next couple hours talking about what we think the move means. Paul George, it hasn't been six months ago. Paul George was like, no, this is my guy. This is my friend. We spent time together off the court. You know, I wanted to be here, and now he's out. And, you know, he went to the Oklahoma City front office and said, hey, I want to be traded, and I want to be traded somewhere where I can play with Kawhi. I wonder how adamant he was. You know, was he, I'm willing to sit out. I'm going to be disgruntled. What, What was it? Or was it just that as Oklahoma City received that information, they started shopping that deal between Toronto and the Clippers and realized we're about to get an historic haul for this guy? Nobody's ever been traded for five first-round picks before. I just think Paul George saw his opportunity to get back to L.A., whether it be the Lakers or the Clippers. You know, he's always wanted to go back there. The Lakers dropped the ball the first go around when he was, you know, shopping for teams. But he saw this opportunity to go back to LA and hang out with all of his boys and his friends. And the Clippers just seemed to be make the right make sense. Um, I really don't know. My question is that why did Kevin Durant say no to Kawhi Leonard? Like, why do you think he said no? Is it because he wants to build his own legacy or? And why was that? Well, the reports are the the yeah. reports are that that before Kawhi went to Paul George, that he asked KD first, "Do you want to team up and play somewhere?" I think that KD was too far gone at that point, and had committed to getting to the East Coast. And I don't know necessarily that KD was was you know specific about wanting to be in Brooklyn or with the Knicks. But I know that he had moved his business office. They had established offices in New York City. And he obviously wanted to be in New York. I guess he, he, you know, willing to cede. LeBron owns L.A. Let me go out here, do my thing. He's an East Coast guy anyway. He's from D.C. So he's closer to home. He has the business ties out there. Um, You know, he signed with Jay-Z. All of that. I, I, I think that KD the die was already cast and it wasn't going to happen i don't know look the team that got screwed in this whole thing is the new york knicks the knicks thought that they had a serious case to be made to trade for anthony davis that didn't happen the the lakers put together the package beat them to the punch then they felt like they had a serious case to make to kevin durant and kyrie irving that didn't happen those guys went to brooklyn together then Kawhi is there and Kawhi cancels the appointment with him, and the Knicks run out, and instead of regrouping, coming up with a plan B, trying to get creative, they go sign every bum that says yes, and they add half a dozen players on these one and one plus one contracts, and it's funny to see the media, because there are Knicks fans out there like, oh my God, they went and signed all these complimentary pieces. No, they signed a bunch of ash and trash. It's garbage. Now, you fast forward a couple days after those deals get done. You don't done. think Wayne Ellington's going to take them to the promised land? Uh, him and Bobby Portis. I'm really excited to see them run the pick and roll. Yeah, no. None of that. It's all garbage. And to try to to characterize that as role players and veteran leadership, no, it's none of that. It, they're bad players on bad contracts. 
the only way you could justify those contracts is well they're you know they're one and one plus one contracts so next year when free agency opens all this money will come off the books so if the Knicks and the Hornets play a game of basketball in the woods does it make it by themselves does it make a sound no I mean are they going are they going to be number one and two in terms of the picks next year I, I tell you how bad they're going to be I, I tell you what the Knicks and the uh, and the Pelicans played this weekend and there was an earthquake if the Knicks and the Hornets played, that earthquake might have ended the world. It might have cracked the world in half and it had been the end of it. It just would have been that much more badness on top of that that earthquake. But my point with the Knicks is all these role players, quote-unquote, that they signed, they would only be good contracts if the Knicks were trying to clear cap space for next year. Right. This is not – 2019 is it for free agency. 2020, you have two – good players in Draymond Green and Eric Gordon and after that the free agent class it falls off a cliff it's absolutely falls off a cliff it's like Trent Nichols yeah, is so, available yeah to, well Trent Trent may actually get a deal from the Knicks it's like the Knicks struck out completely yeah in this in this uh round of free agency and they're preparing for what I think they're trying to save face and trying to give the, the Knicks fans some hope but there's no hope to be had. You can't even say that without laughing out loud. I know. Because it's like they're trying to fool the, the Knicks fans into thinking, we're going to sign all these guys next year. Who? Who are you, who will you sign next year that, that can help your franchise? Nobody. Well, and meanwhile, R.J. Barrett, the third pick in this year's draft, is out there where he wanted to be. And he's got to be sitting in a, in a, a recliner somewhere thinking, whoa, curled up. What did I sign up for, man? What is this? What's going on? I don't. I just don't get what's going on here. So I feel for the young man. Um, it, it's been a wild weekend. I want to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team at some point. But in about 15 minutes, NC State legend Chris Corciani will be on with us. Um, I'm excited about that. I want to get caught up and figure out where he's at today and, uh, and what's going on. So stick around for that. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina on WFJ 105.5 FM. Stay tuned to From the Cheap Seats. We'll be right back. I don't know what we'll talk about, but it'll be cool. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. 
This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. Head to toe, everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, sports talk radio that won't make your ears bleed. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, the inimitable Robert Ricky, and Professor Trent Nichols all jammed up into one studio at one time on a Monday morning. This is my favorite time of the week. And it's sitting so close to you, Brandon. Like sardines. Yeah, I can't even do like the man spread or you know our knees touch. I don't know if I'm a fan of that or not. I don't. I don't. Well, this I don't studio. Know how I feel about that. This studio is by far better in terms of production and technology. But you know we can't. We need a little room. We might need to knock out a wall so we can stretch our legs out. Like I can. Old. I can dig that. I can dig that. Did you guys get a chance to watch all of the soccer that mattered this weekend? Most of it. Most of it. Of course, I watched the women's. All right. The U.S. Women's national team became, again, they they certified their position as the best team in the world. And the U.S. men certified their position as the second best team on this continent. Um, You know, I was really disappointed with the men. In the first half, they had chance after chance after chance. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the U.S. men lost 1-0 in the uh, finals of the Gold Cup. And I got a phone call from my mother last night. And my mom is a huge sports fan. She watches whatever's important that's going on. And she called me and she's like, I get that this is not the World Cup, but what exactly is the Gold Cup? Trent, you want to break it down what the Gold Cup is? Dude, I have no idea what the Gold Cup is. What the heck would I know? I knew that that, that's what you were going to say. I was rooting for Mexico, man. U.S. men, I was hoping. You know what? I feel bad for... uh, Who's that dude, number 10? Christian? Pulisic. Yes. Yes. That poor guy. Why does he even bother? He leaves Chelsea to come over here to play with a bunch of imbeciles (laughs) that don't know two craps about playing soccer when he's over there making $30 million a year trying to represent the country and no other man that knows how to play soccer in America is even on the damn team. And they've got this huge, fat, linebacker of a dude, Josie Aldador, running down the field <laughs> looking like he deserves to be on WWE instead of soccer. Man, Mexico is a country that is full. They showed up more in Chicago than the USA fans. Hey. You know why? Because Americans got it right. The only soccer that matters is the women, and those men should be ashamed of themselves, and USA should not have a men's team. That's Baloney. They should just fold up the team and Stop. we don't play international there soccer is no, I would rather watch the women beat the crap out of all the other men's teams 
than watch these men play. Chris, weren't we, weren't we working on getting Altador on the show? Altador yeah. is a good no, <laughs> Josie Altador Please. should go back to his bowl of fruity pebbles oh. and just give up soccer, dude. Maybe I'll pivot joke. my efforts Trent to Michael Bradley or something. Stephen A. Smith is Yeah, yeah I, wow. Um, Trent A. Nichols there with the uh, analysis. You, like, asked him to break down the gold cup, and that's what you got. And what he doesn't know is we have been working on getting Josie Altador onto the onto the show. I don't think when I said Josie Altador's name, though, he was able to make the connection because I don't think he realized Josie was actually a soccer player. Right. So last night was, like, the first time he'd ever seen him. I don't, I don't know how that worked out. Dude, the but, last uh, time I saw a guy that big running down the field was in line at a barbecue to get a hot dog. It's ridiculous. <laughs> embarrassing. I, I Embarrassing. I thought the U.S. men were respect, respectful. Well, you watched the first half of the game, though. Yeah, I did The second half, it was all Mexico. Oh, was it? Mexico, just with the pressure, the U.S. could not figure out how to get it out of their own end. And they just gave them chance after chance. So as good as the U.S. was in the first half, they were that bad in the second half. Well, let me tell you, one of the problems is I went to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the, the men's game, and we only made it through about a half. Um there were more people pulling for Mexico than the U.S. in the bar. Well, there were and more it was people. Like, it was like 80% to 20. There were more people at Soldier Field pulling for Mexico than there were for the U.S. too, which is kind of a, a ridiculous notion because I assure you that if the U.S. women were playing in a tournament final at Soldier Field in Chicago, it would have been red, white, and blue as far as the eye could see, which brings me back to the point we've hit the last couple weeks. Why is it that there's an inequity in what the women are paid versus the men. The men are not very good. And this is a this ought to be a golden age in American soccer. Christian Pulisic is going to be, 10 years from now, will have been the best American player we've ever seen. At 20 years old, there is no other player that has played at the level he has at 20 years old that is an American. And I feel bad. I think he should get dual citizenship and Too play late. for England. <laughs> well, he's the, not English. In the national team. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad that you feel that way. did a great job, and I am ashamed of the garbage we put out there with the best player we've ever seen in American men's soccer. My, my beef, and I'm not going to nerd out on the soccer piece of this, is that Christian Pulisic is the most skilled offensive player we've seen in American soccer possibly ever. Play him up top. Why they insist on playing Josie Altador and Jossie Zardis, I have no idea. Jossie Zardis is a bad soccer player in international terms. He can put up a lot of goals against Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago. When they play a real side, he is, I can't even say that he's limited. He does one thing well, and that's run in a straight line. Um, I don't understand why we can't sort that out and put Jordan Woods and or Christian Pulisic up front. Let the offense run through them. I just don't get it. By out the on end the, wing, of the game, Christian Pulisic was disappointed that he had to take another corner kick, knowing <laughs> that none of those idiots would be able to do anything with the ball. Josie Aldador had to get subbed out because he freaking saw somebody eating a Big Mac and he had to go get it. I mean, oh William God. Perry what, looks skinny. What, 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 happened here? What's the hate? what happened? I will say, since we're hating on all men I, I guess, in, in I soccer, guess. I will say this. And it goes all the way to the commentating. Alexi Lawless said that if the U.S. beat England, he would wear a wedding dress during the World Cup final. He did not. He, like... 
he like fudged on his own bet, his own his own game call. And you know, Alexi Lawless wasn't even that good. Right? No, that's that was what I was gonna say. Alexi Lawless has ridden the cool red hair a long, long way. And that goatee. Remember back back in the, the day, yeah, with the goatee and the and yeah. the red curly hair, he looked like he was an Alice in Chains. And he had a really cool name. He had a cool story because he was kind of a vagabond that was traveling through Europe, playing here, playing there, whatever. Played on the U.S. men's team that wasn't very good. And you but, know what? But, that's but the that's they the rose. Point. Go they, ahead. They, I'm sorry. That's the point. Is that that's the peak of U.S. men's soccer? Oh no, 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 no. No, at the height of the land of Donovan era, global. I'm no. talking about the, in terms of how far they advanced, how much they were in the news. I mean, you can say that they're better teams since then, but when have they had more of an impact like than, you know, Alexi Lawless, Balboa, and all those guys? Tony Mar- Mar- Mariotti or whatever, the kicker <laughs> for the Jets? Tony Miola. Whatever. That was, that was just but that was the because the World Cup was in America. Exactly. That was, that was U.S. soccer parlaying that because the World Cup was in America. The, the team rose in terms of its expectations over the next 12 years after that they just couldn't get it done. The Landon Donovan teams. I, but I will concede that you're right. That in terms of press coverage for the men's team, that team probably was the, the most hyped that we've had. And it was a cast of, of, you know, interesting characters. Kobe Jones. You see Kobe Jones on set now doing commentary. Kobe Jones, when he played forward for the U.S. men's team, was probably the worst forward in the world, he was just lightning fast for a country that had anything more than about twenty million people in it. He was fast and he had really cool hair, but he got a lot of press. He, you know, he played for the men's team for a million years, and the uh, those squads. But Alexi Lawless, my point is, he was an I eight soccer player that played American soccer when it didn't take a whole lot of talent to crack the men's squad. Then he goes out and he parlays that into the the I think he was the GM, either the GM or the president of LA Galaxy. Alexi Lawless, whether you remember it or not, is the guy that brought David Beckham to the United States. But then a couple years later, summarily bounced out of that, and now he's a bad commentator who breaks promises on the air. He brought no love for Alexi Lawless. Beckham when he is finally in a wheelchair over yeah, but it's <laughs> no, but, I mean Beckham Chris. Beckham was great for the MLS the MLS at the point at that point didn't know what to do with it the MLS can't get out of its own way US soccer and MLS they're 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 bedfellows so where does uh Christian play on the MLS Christian Pulisic will never play in the MLS yeah exactly maybe when he's 40 years old that's the true so, that's the true statement about US soccer because our best player probably you said of all time I feel to that go way. play in Europe I feel that way, and I know it's early, but I do feel like Pulisic is the best we've ever seen. Um, MLS, at some point, may be able to lure him back, but when you're talking about, I I don't think it's, here's the thing, Trent, I don't think it's fair to indict MLS over the Christian Pulisic thing, because when you're talking about guys like Pulisic, you're talking about the best five or six teams across the globe. You know, you've got Barcelona, you've got Man City, Man United, um, there's only a handful of teams that are vying for those very best players in the world. It's the second-tier guys that, that we're missing. But MLS can't get out of its own way. Even when we do bring talent here, we, they play in a vacuum because nobody knows what's going on. You have small pockets of fans in each city that support these clubs. 
but they keep expanding so fast we can't even keep up with it and it just it it breaks my heart but for the last time now not the last time because we'll talk about it again at some point why are the women not paid at least as much as the men when they are greatness personified preach and if u.s soccer can't figure out how to monetize that and make it worthwhile for themselves they need to fire everybody involved I mean, I want to see the ratings from yesterday. I assure you there were no less than five times as many people watching that U.S. women's team last yesterday than they were watching the men's team. You know, I did some research on that. Yes. It's a func- more of a function of revenue produced than uh, for the men versus the women. Rev- and they share in the revenue, team share in the I- revenue. And, and, the, and the men's tournaments generate more money. Now, Robert. I think they can make some adjustments in terms of pay. Robert, you're a businessman. If somebody came to you today and said, I want to hire you to be the marketing director of U.S. women's soccer or U.S. men's soccer, which one do you think you could make more cash with? No doubt the women. But I'm saying that's where the discrepancy has come. I think they need to make some changes. Like... Just in terms of sponsorship, I think you can make up some of the money by finding companies to be, get behind the women's team and help uh, narrow the gap between men's pay and the women's pay. So, so that, I think you're right. There's some creative ways it can be done, but I think the main reason is revenue generated. All right. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Waiting on Chris Corciani to call in. I'm excited about that. I hope you are, too. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. From the cheap seats, we'll be right back. You mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds. Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrett is on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up the whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Check her out. Oh, man. 
When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. Fact, registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact, it's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. And that's a fact. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. From the cheap seats, national sports with a Carolina twist. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. On the line with us, NC State great, Chris Corciani. Chris, can you hear me? Yes, sir. How you doing? Hey, I am sensational, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. Um, I, now I know what you do professionally. Um, because I've heard your commercials a million different times. But I, I got to tell you that, that I assumed as a young man watching you play ball that as, as heady a player you were and as hard-nosed as you were, that you were going to coach basketball at some level and that right now at this point you'd be doing this. Is that what you saw for yourself, or, or did you intend to get into the mortgage business? No, I... Um I ended up playing uh, 11 years professionally when I when I finished at the NC State, and every year I was in another city or another country, and I was really ready just to settle down and and plant roots. And I knew that you know when you go the coaching route, you end up having to jump around, and I kind of just wanted to settle down and be in one place. Um, you know, I have four children, and I just didn't want to go down the same route that I was kind of living for, for the previous 11 years playing basketball but um, I still have a great love for the game um, you know there are times that I say gosh I'd love to still be involved but uh, I'm involved you know at NC State as a, as a fan and, and go to all the games so I kind of still feel a connection to the game but, but not on the coaching side Well speaking of traveling around you're, you're a Florida guy how did Jimmy V get you out of Florida up to Raleigh in the first place? Well, um, you know, back then, you know, things were different. You know, you, you went to camps and, you know, you were found, didn't obviously have the, the social media presence. Um, and I wanted to play in the ACC. Um, you know, that was the, the, the one conference that uh, even in Florida, you know, everybody followed. And, you know, there, there was great teams and teams that won national championships. So, I knew I wanted to play in the ACC and really came down to Virginia Duke and NC State. And, um, you know, I thought at NC State I had an opportunity to play right away and um, really loved Coach V and his approach. Um, you know, just kind of fell in love with with Coach Valvano and, and um, you know, it looked like it was going to be a good fit to be able to play there and, and also compete against some of the other great players and, and teams in, in the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference. Chris, we appreciate you being on this morning. Now, 
Valvana was one of the great characters in ACC history. Give us a great Jimmy V story. Well, I mean, there's just so many, but, you know, when he was recruiting me, um, you know, all, all coaches, as you know, have, have a different approach. And um, I remember Terry Holland came down and, you know, he, he wanted to go for a walk with me around the block. And uh, it was about 95 degrees. And what <laughs> wasn't a real good approach. And, right. And then, then Coach K, uh, when he came down, um, he was the most honest recruiter that I've ever been around. He he would basically talk to you about the game, didn't always say everything you wanted to hear. Good Coach K story is I had a high school game and I had five or six coaches there, and the rule the rules were back then they could they could stay after the game and, and you know say hello or whatnot. You know, the five of the six coaches said I had a great game and played wonderful and how well I fit into the program. And and I know that I didn't have a good game and I turned the ball over and uh, just one of those games. And Coach K said, well, you, you really suck tonight. <laughs> and, and, and I always appreciated that approach, um, you know, with Coach K. But uh, Jimmy V, when he came down to recruit me, I would always be excited to come to the front door and he would come in with, with one of the assistant coaches, and he'd, he'd always say, listen, you don't even need to be here. He said, you go do your homework or go shoot baskets. He said, I'm recruiting your father because I know an Italian family. You're not making the decision. Your dad is. So <laughs> right. He said, I don't need you anywhere around here. But, uh, yeah, there was just a number of great stories. He came into my living room one time and started rearranging all the furniture, and he said, uh, you know, this is going to be Avi Lester, and he would grab the, the couch. He's going to set a pick for you, and, you know, you're going to have Charles Shackelford down here, and he'd grab a lamp, and at the end of his five, seven-minute little rendition, all the furniture in the living room was all rearranged, and it was just a, <laughs> it was the kind of thing he did. He was a, he was a showman, um, great person, and, and I'll tell you, I thought he was a very underrated game coach, and uh, just, just a a pleasure to be around and really form me into not only a player but but, but a, a young man at that time. So when he moved the furniture around, I just I, I have to ask: Did he move it back before he left, or did he just leave you guys to it? No, he gave me <laughs> something to do. He said, <laughs> he said well, "I'm going to go out here and, and, and drink drink red wine with your dad. You straighten up for me." I love it. I love it. <laughs> so. When he asked you to guard centers during your playing time, did you have to give him a crazy look, or did you see some method to his badness? No, not at the time. You know, the, the one that comes to mind was uh, Tommy Hammonds. Uh, you know, Tommy was six he was nine. And he was a Had guns on him, and he called a timeout. And he said, "Chris, I want you to guard Tommy Hammonds." And he said, "I want you to frustrate him and try to get underneath his skin." And I looked at him like he was crazy because I'm. You know, six foot and, and and not a real tough guy. And he's like, just frustrate him. I was like, dang, coach, you sure you want me to do it? <laughs> and but he always had things outside the box. He he loved playing junk defenses and things that just um, you know weren't very conventional. And he's his big saying was never let the best player on the opposing team beat you. And it's it's one of those things. I watch a lot of games that um, you know we we would really concentrate on on stopping the best player or the, the best two players. And he would say, listen, the fourth or fifth guy really doesn't want to beat you, you know, and, and let's not get beat by, by the great ones. 
Well, you walked into a situation at NC State with a guy that it's almost impossible all these years later for me to think of you without him because you guys were such an awesome backcourt together. Vinny Del Negro, you guys were sort of, I don't know, you're tied together in history a little bit. What did what did him being an upperclassman when you got there, how did, did that make it easier? What did you learn from him? Yeah, the, having Vinny, Vinny was a senior when I came in as a freshman, and, um, you know, you hear these phrases of guys, you know, really, you know, taking other players underneath their wing, and, and that's what Vinny did. Vinny not only did it on the court, but off the court. Um, you know, people don't realize, you know, when, when these young players come in, they – and in most cases, they don't know anyone. They don't know, you know, in my case, I came from Miami, and I knew nobody. And, and Vinny made sure I was comfortable off the court and always grabbing me to go grab something to eat. Um, he, he was a true professional, even in the college ranks. Just made everybody comfortable and on the court, you know, very helpful. And, um, you know, no, 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 uh, no doubt, you know, he, he went on to be a, a great coach and I hope he gets another shot because he just has a great demeanor and you know when you get an upperclassman that really helps the younger players I mean it's a it's a big boost and, and I'll always be grateful of Vinny and some of the other cl- uh, upperclassmen that you know just kind of showed me the way tell you what man but during your time your time and my time kind of overlapped and the, it was a murderer's row every night in the ACC uh, tell me, tell me who the toughest guys you thought during that time that you played against uh, were, and and some of it was like nobody thought about Clemson, but Clemson yep. was unbelievably talented. So I mean, you know, Georgia Tech and others. So tell me about the guys you thought that were the toughest well, matchups. Well, Brick, you know that you know back then there was only eight teams in the conference, and I mean it was loaded. I mean every game, um, you know, you had to bring it, and uh, I was fortunate. Um, when I when I was a senior in high school, the seniors in the ACC, the point guards were Kenny Smith, Muggsy Bogues. Um, you had uh, Mark Price. You know, so there were some great ones that that graduated. So coming in as a freshman, at least those superstars were gone. Right. Um, you, know, you had Tommy Amaker that graduated the, the year previous as well. Um, but but John Crotty at Virginia always gave me fits. Um, to me, he was one of the most underrated players. Just, you know, I, I never could figure him out. He was very unorthodox, you yep. know, being a lefty, and, and was a lot stronger than, than maybe his body perceived. Um, you know, going up against Bobby Hurley, you know, one of the all-time great college players, was, you know, always tough. You know, those guys were such competitors. Um, you know, they brought it every night and. Um, I really do feel that the generation back in the you know mid '80s to '90s, those guys competed at an unbelievable level. They they played for the team, and and they didn't play for their individual success. It was really you know all the guys rolling up their sleeves and and competing. But uh, the level of talent and the teams. I mean, you, you mentioned Clemson. You know, they Dale Davis and Eldon Campbell. And, Another tough point guard, Grayson. Um, Grayson Marshall. Grayson Marshall, right. right? They, you know, every night if you weren't ready to play, you know, you you, you were going to get it put on you. Um, you know, I just I hated playing Duke because if I penetrated and got in the lane, I always had to worry where where, where Robert Brookie was. <laughs> he, 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 
Yeah, and I tell my kids, I say, you know, the, the athletes back in the 80s and 90s didn't compete, couldn't compete with the athletes in today's game, but but that's an exception when you talk about someone like Robert Brook. You mm-hmm. just, you always needed to know where, where, where Brook was on the court because he'd, he'd come snatch it out of the air in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> now, you talked, you talked earlier about your kids. Chris Jr. played at NC State. You have any? You have any more kids that are in the uh, Wolfpack pipeline? Yeah, you know, Christopher had an opportunity to go to some smaller schools, Division two and three, and um, you know, he wanted to go to NC State. He grew up an NC State fan, and um, you know, he walked on there and just had a tremendous experience. Um, my other son um, went to the University of South Carolina and walked on for two years with Frank Martin, who uh, I was friends with growing up in Miami, and. Uh, he had the opportunity to go to a Final Four uh, his freshman year when South Carolina had that great run. Um, again, similar situation where he had some um, opportunities to play elsewhere, but he wanted to go to a bigger school and, and be a part of something a little bit bigger. Um, so those are my two oldest boys. And then my daughter is a um, just uh, just finished her freshman year at the University of Alabama. So... Uh, I've become a very big Alabama football fan. Oh no! I said, you know, if I'm signing, oh, no. if, if I'm signing a check there, I'm. <laughs> Saturdays, I if I don't have the NC State red on, I got the uh, the, the crimson red on of, of uh, Alabama. Then I've got my youngest son is a, a rising sophomore at Broughton High School here in Raleigh, and um, you know he's a nice player that's working on his game now as well. All right. Well, the um, I got to I got to ask you a question, Frank Martin. We had a lot of fun with Frank Martin when he made that Final Four run, and I want to know. You said you guys are friends. Is he as scary a tough guy as he seems to be publicly? He is. You know, Frank's a tough <laughs> guy, but you what you see is what you get. And, and the one thing that uh, a lot of players really respect Frank, probably more so once they leave and and they realize that the things that that he teaches and the way it goes about is is really to better them as, as a person once they graduate and move on. And, and he teaches life lessons. Um, you know, he gets on those kids and works them to death, but, but I really think the values that he instills in them are things that they can carry uh, outside of basketball. And, and he is, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't care if you're the best player on the team or the walk-on. He'll get right up in your face and... He'll, he'll he'll make you cry. And I, I've been I've been at some practices where um, you know he, he would just get into anybody at any time. Uh, just a great guy. Um, you know I've I've known him for for many years. When I was in high school, he was a JV coach, and we would always go to Miami High. That was the the big school there, and we would play on Sundays. And um, you know, just a, a a great person, great friend. So you and Bobby Hurley back in the day over a six-year period put up assist numbers that nobody's matched before and when you graduated from nc state you were the career leader in assists um there's only four people that have ever put up a thousand assists bobby hurley broke your record and i'm sure that you know exactly what the numbers are should there be an asterisk by bobby hurley's numbers since he played so many more games than you did (laughs) no not at all you know bobby was Bobby was a great player. I think that's a, you know there, there's certain records that are going to be hard to to break, and that's one. Um, you know, I think Bobby and I both had a, a luxury of being surrounded with great players and great athletes. And um, you know, you know, I know I was very fortunate to be able to play with some 
guys that really could score the ball. Uh, but that record's one that I, that I think Bobby's going to hold for a long time because in today's uh, game and day and age, if, if you're really a great player, you're, you're not going to stick around four years. Um, the other thing is that, that these point guards nowadays, they come in and they're, they're big and strong and they can really score. I think that's the one thing where the game has changed. The, the point guard back, back in the 80s and 90s was really a distributor. And, and look to pass first and score second, and and there was none better than Bobby Hurley. Um, you know, he was surrounded, you know, by unbelievable talent every year, uh, much like I was at NC State. But um, you know, I loved competing against Bobby. You know, people people know him as a great player, but uh, as far as a competitor, when he stepped onto that court, you knew that it was going to be a dogfight. And and the thing that I, I tell people is. Uh, you know, even the guys over at Carolina and the guys at Duke, we, we had such a great deal of respect for one another. And, and we would see each other, um, you know, outside uh, the basketball court, whether it was at a party or at the mall. And, and we all, all got along extremely well. But when we stepped in that 94 feet for, for, for that 40 minutes, um, you know, we, we all went at one another, but, but there was a mutual respect there. Yeah, watching you two guys go at it was a lot of fun. Um, these days, when you when you look at, at NC State's basketball program from a historical standpoint, the, the Jim Valvano era is one of a couple of, of glorious periods of basketball there at State. And it, it seems like it's been this, uh, this tough road for that program to get onto the map and stay there in terms of, of being a legitimate competitor nationally. Um what do you? I know that you're close to the program and you go to all the games. What can you say to give Wolfpack fans hope that Kevin Keats is the right guy and this program's moved in the right direction? Well, I, I think that we certainly have the right guy. I, I think Coach Keats is, is is a great coach, great recruiter, really good with the kids. Um, it, it's tough, and a lot of my NC State buddies they don't like when I say this, but. It's a very difficult job, and, and having Carolina and Duke and all the success they've had, we at NC State, we need to be patient, and we've got to build it the right way. And sometimes that takes some time. Um, and, and, you know, we didn't get to the tournament last year with uh, Coach Keats in the pack, but, but our fan base needs to realize we have the right guy, that he's putting everything in place, and it's like building a... A, a good monument. It's, it's brick by brick, and it's, it's got to have a strong foundation. Um, and, and I just think that, that uh, Kevin Keats is the right guy. Um, he's going to do it the right way and, and build it um, so that it that it it's longstanding. You know, if you look at Carolina and Duke, you know they're right in our neighborhood. It, it makes it very difficult. And, and they've had coaches there that have been there a long time. Um, you know, they they have a program. You know, over the last 20, 25 years, we've had some good teams, but we haven't had the program. And there's a big difference between having a program and having a good team. And and with Keats, I think that um, the way he's going about it, we're, we're, we're going to have a great program. It's just going to take a little bit of time and, and uh, you know, to get there. 
Chris, I just did some quick math. You actually averaged more assists per game than Bobby Hurley, so we're going to adjust the wiki page yeah. to put like you number it. one where I you put, need to be. Put that asterisk on it. That's yes, sir. That's, that's we, we, I, we will handle that. I don't know how long they'll let it stay. I, I know I know. Robert's not going to like that. He's going to disagree <laughs> with that asterisk. But, uh, that's right. No, no that's, that's funny. But, but, again, you know, Bobby was such a great player, and, and, and uh, you know, now he's doing great things. Uh, in, in the coaching world, and I love watching all the all the guys that we competed with or against, and, and the success that they've had is is unbelievable. I turn on TV, and uh, you know you got Quinn Snyder coaching, you got King Rice coaching, and Bobby, and I mean the list goes on and on. It's really fun watching those guys on the sidelines and, and remembering that the battles and and, and all the respect that uh, everybody had with one another. Well, I'll tell you what, when I was playing high school here at Lee Senior, my sophomore year, um, our shooting guard wore number 21 because he loved Rodney Monroe. And I asked for the number 13, which is the number you played at NC State, and the coach promised me all year long that I could get it, and it never happened. <laughs> and so I, I still have bad dreams about that. Do you ever keep, do you keep up with Rodney at all? Yeah, every day, every day. Rodney uh, sends Tom Gugliotta and I a prayer every day, and uh, that way we were connected uh, on a daily basis, um, you know, texting back and forth. And he, he Rodney was a tremendous um, player, but he's even a better person. I mean, it's amazing uh, the person that Rodney has, has turned into. And, um, you know, I think that he, he's one of these guys that I believe was underrated. He, he's the all-time leading scorer at NC State. He just went about it so cool and calm nothing ever rattled him i mean it didn't matter if he made 10 in a row or, or missed 10 in a row it, you know same temperament um just had had this mentality that that you know he was going to get his no matter what i mean he averaged 29 points his senior year wow. in college i mean and that's you know you're going up against some great teams some great defenders and um he just could score in so many different ways and and he did it, and then you'd look at the, 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 the box score, and, and you didn't realize that he just had 35. It was always so nice and quiet, never brought any attention uh, to himself, and, and just was a tremendous uh, player and teammate. And, and the thing that probably people don't understand, again, just because his demeanor, he was, he was a fierce competitor. He wanted to win as much as anyone. It's just he was so laid back and calm that that's not what really came out. And a lot of people didn't realize uh, what a competitor to Rodney was. Hey, Chris, is it true that uh, when you played with the Celtics, you actually believed that Robert Bricky was a better dunker than D. Brown? <laughs> I tell you what, you if, 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 if the younger generation needs to Google some of uh, or YouTube or whatever that stuff is. Bricky could get up in the air. And, and again, back Back in the late 80s and 90s, you didn't see a whole lot of guys with 40-plus verticals. And and the stuff that he would do, I mean, if you saw him coming full speed at you, you know, I I, I, I didn't like getting out of the way, but I was a smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> if I saw Hurley dribbling and, and, and uh, Robert Brookie on the wing, I, I tried to tried to get out of the way of that one. No taking a charge on that <laughs> one. Huh? No, think, not at all. I think Robert inspired D. Brown to be the dunker that he was. <laughs> Who was, who was scarier uh, to play, to, in, to meet? Was it Xavier McDaniel or Robert Parrish? 
Well, I'll tell you, um, Paris was was probably the best teammate that that I ever was around, and um, you know, I had I was fortunate enough to to be on the Celtics um, in one of his last years, and the thing that I always remember about Robert Parrish was um, such a team guy. He, he he would he would get on people and he would say that the locker room was a sanctuary and and he, he would always say there's no negativity you know if people were were complaining about playing time or their contracts or whatever the case may be he said that's fine but you're not doing it in here and he said you go outside these walls and you go uh complain about what you want to but inside the locker room in these walls we're a family and everything's going to be positive. And, and he monitored that locker room. It was his. And and he was another guy, very soft-spoken, didn't say a lot, but but he had total control of uh, the locker room for sure. Well, that's wild. Chris, We hey, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. Anything you'd like to add about what's going on in your life these days? No, I'm just um, in the mortgage business. I'm in the um, title insurance business and just love being in, in Raleigh. Raleigh's such a great, great area. And, um, you know, I'm just blessed to, to have had the opportunity to go to NC State and have stayed here ever since. And, um, you know, just, just want to get the pack up and going so we can compete at the highest level. Okay. Can we get you back on during basketball Absolutely. season to do a little NC State analysis? Absolutely. As long as you get that asterisk on Hurley's name. <laughs> oh, we, uh, yeah. hey, we, we, hey, if we were able to change Robert's wiki page to say that he was the inventor of the crossover dribble, <laughs> an asterisk for yours, no problem. We got that handled. <laughs> Done. <then. laughs> All right, everybody. Chris Corciani, thanks again. Thanks, we'll talk Chris. to you soon, buddy. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. All right. That was that was cool, man. That was real cool. And where, Trent, where did you pull that from? Dude. Is that a real quote? Or you just made that up about the D. Brown, Robert Ricky was a better dunker. You made it up. All right. I thought he actually, like, referenced it from somewhere. But, uh, dude, I wanted – he told the Robert Parrish bit. I wanted to hear about X. Because Xavier yeah, McDaniel was a little crazy. Oh. So, uh, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to put that one on ice. Does, and, does uh, he call him Mr. Parrish or the Chief, do you think? That's a good question. I also want to know – see, Robert Parrish was notorious for spending time in the sauna – um, engaging in, I'm, I'm gonna leave it alone. All right. Anyway, um, this Crystal Lambert, Robert Bricky, Trent Nichols, Brandon Atkins, Roy Costin. We're going into a break. It's been too long since we uh, we paid some bills. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. We're coming back. No more interviews. I think we maybe take a phone call or two. We got an hour to go. Thanks for hanging out with us. The Cheap Seats is a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC. Broadcast locally on WFJA 105.5 FM. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter... We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense.
Adopt US Kids presents multiple choice parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit adoptuskids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No force play. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, a bunch of guys who have never been fired from ESPN. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats right here in Sanford, North Carolina. You can check us out online at CheapSeatRadio.com. So if you missed anything or you want to listen to the interview with Corciani or Phil Ford a couple weeks ago, Chucky Brown, anybody. Go back into the archives. All of the shows are posted as podcasts. You can find us on the iTunes podcast app. You can go straight to our website, CheapSeatRadio.com. Check it out. And, hey, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. We uh, hadn't done a whole lot with the Facebook page up until, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. But we're about 1,000 followers in, and uh, we'd appreciate the follow. We'd even appreciate it that much more if you invite all your friends to follow. I think we'll have to do some kind of giveaway with that. I got an idea for that, and I'll hit you guys with it during the next break. Um, You know I like to keep you all in the dark. But the MLB All-Star Game is this week. Did anybody in this building even realize that was happening? 
Not until this morning. I knew because the biggest news story they got is that Yellish is not participating in the home run derby. And that's that's all MLB has got. Is the home run derby? I'd rather I'd rather clean my gutters than watch the home run derby. I'd rather you clean my gutters. Oh, no. I don't even want to clean my own. Hey, hey I by the way, if anybody's yesterday. got a gutter cleaner out there, hit me up on Facebook because I, I looked at doing that myself this weekend. I went to Lowe's. I bought this cool tool. It was this pressure hose that would attach onto my hose, blow my gutters out. <laughs> Do not drop the 18 bucks or whatever for that thing because that's not even going to begin to work. I, I don't know what should, gutters that's going to clean, I think you but should not re- mine. Replace your gutters. I think there's somebody in the room that can help you. And with there's that. gutter guards that you don't have to worry about. Yeah, but you I have to clean gutters your gutters today. before you put the guards on, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I can't put gutters on there. I, I've got my own little ecosystem. I got trees oh, that are going to start growing out of my gut. Well, I say gonna. They are starting to grow. They're sprouting. I got some healthy looking pine, little pine babies. Yeah, <laughs> coming out of the gutters. Oh yeah, dude. We need a gutter cleaner, I, and and you know what? We need more advertisers too. There's got to be a marriage made in heaven here. So if you got somebody that does gutters and wants some advertising, hit us up because there's got to be a deal to be worked here. I did mine yesterday the old-fashioned way with a ladder in my hand. Well, see, the problem is, is I have two ladders. I don't have an extension ladder, and there's no way for me to get to the front of my house without an extension ladder. And I have this is inside baseball. I have a horrible fear of heights. So I can man up and do it, but it's going to take me like a week and a half to get over the anxiety because I can suck it up so that my wife and kids don't look at me like, what, what is wrong with you? Why are you such a sissy? But hanging around on a ladder, man, not a whole lot of fun See, for me. That, in a nutshell, is what's wrong with MLB professional baseball is because you start to talk about baseball and you'd rather talk about <laughs> cleaning gutters. And his mind goes to the gutter. Hey, I, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that. I can't say the gutter talk is not more interesting than baseball. <laughs> it, it, doesn't it just – I don't know where these dollars are coming from for these players to get paid the way they do in Major League Baseball because every time I flip on a game, I'm looking at stadiums. There's nobody there. I, I don't understand where these revenues are coming from. It's like magic. And at the same time, I'm watching the U.S. women play, and I'm like, man, look at this. You know, people care about this game. This is viable. You got little girls all over the country, all over the world that want to be soccer players. When was the last time you guys drove by somewhere and, and saw kids playing baseball? You have to seek yeah. that out. Well, just think about it. What has been the biggest story in Major League Baseball that hits the ca- has hit the casual fan? The biggest story is they want to extend the netting so people aren't getting hit by foul balls. <laughs> that's the most <laughs> exciting thing that they can come up to talk about. I mean, that's that. I'm just the older I get, I thought I would appreciate baseball more. The older I get, I just like it less and less. There's just not much to appreciate. And and I was listening on the way in to Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball. It, it, there is nobody that's paid any attention to baseball over the last 20 years that has any doubt that the baseball has changed. It's harder. It's There's less drag on it. It flies differently than it did through the entire existence of baseball. And, yes, the baseball's changed a little bit over time. But we're into an era now where if you make solid contact, it's going to be a home run, period. You, you know what you guys ought to do? What's that? Which is pretty fun. You know, we have a new team in Fayetteville, the Woodpeckers. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun outing. Now, I've been to seven games, maybe, 
and I haven't stayed past the fourth inning. <laughs> Couldn't tell you who won any of those games or what happened during the course of the game, but it's fun. So, uh, but minor league baseball is because you know it's you're not dropping serious coin to go. Right. You're going to go. They make it an entertainment event. So I, you know, when I was in Lexington, Kentucky, they had every every weekend. If they were home on Fridays, they did fireworks after the game. Right. That was where to go. It was cool. You sit around, have a couple adult beverages, suffer through the game, right? And you know, you show up around the fourth or fifth inning, watch the rest of the game, and then stay for the fireworks, and then go to the bar afterwards, right? And that was cool. They have a huge bar in right field at the new stadium. It's and with lounge chairs and it's it's. I'm telling you, it's so nice. I've, we've got tickets, so and and, and to days, be fair, you have you that. have. It, but this is this is all you really need to know. Robert has extended the invitation on several occasions for us to come down there and hang out in right field, and it's not that we're like uh, don't necessarily want to do it it's just been bad timing but it's not something where we're like I'm going to set aside everything I had planned because I want to go watch some baseball right. my wife asked me the other day how have you been here all this time and never have gone to see the Durham Bulls play because I can't be bothered with the commute right. to get up there to the commute the parking all the rest of that to go watch a baseball game I just can't get into it I feel almost guilty why don't you go after school that's probably what I'll do at some point. And, and, and if I'm experience. in Durham on a night where they're playing, especially if they're playing the Reds affiliate, maybe I'll check them out next year. Right. But it's been – I mean, we're not talking about me having been here six months. I've been here for eight years. A few weeks, weekends ago they had uh, Judge and Stanton playing because they were rehabbing for the Yankees in Durham. It's amazing. Uh, did you go? No. Well, all right. <laughs> I mean – we're just there, and and like I said, Major League Baseball can can figure out how to parlay a contract or or, or a, a, a situation where they have waning interest, television ratings that have plummeted, attendance numbers that are you know lower than they were twenty twenty five years ago, and they're able to pay their players these enormous deals. U.S. Women's Soccer, who only has to worry about 25 women a year can't pay these women what they're owed, what they're worth because they can't figure out how to monetize it. Dude, it's 2018. Get a new sales department. You know, and I get that, you know, the the US men are they're a recipient of dollars that are, that come internationally from these tournaments and and that there's revenue sharing and the rest of that. But I'm here to tell you, I can't think of too many products that I could do more with than the U.S. women's national team. Well, hold on for a second. Let me sure. th- let me play devil's advocate. Here. Go ahead. You know some of the best soccer, women's soccer, that is played in the United States is played right down the road in Cary, right? Yeah. How many games have you been to? Um, I, none, but they've only been playing there for a couple of years. Well, they've been playing there for years. a minute. They've been playing there for a minute. But oh, my only point is. You can say that now, and I, I believe women should get paid. I mean, obviously, the U.S. women's team should get paid more than the men's team just based on the results. But it's, they're out of sight, out of mind for the next two years for most people. But right? they're out of sight, out of mind I mean, because it's not sold to us. I don't know what the U.S. women's schedule is going to be. I don't know when they're going to be on TV until I sort of stumble around it. And you, I can't you tell get you. My, you get my I, point. I like you can drive point. 35 minutes yep. and see Alex Morgan. Well, and and here's the situation, is I have committed 
just starting to make that trek. In fact, I was in touch with Carolina Courage yesterday. Crystal Dunn, who played left back for this World Cup team in every game, plays right here locally for for the Carolina Courage. We will at some point in the next couple of weeks have her on, and I, this is a conversation I want to have with her. The source of frustration, where they feel like it is, why the women's team is so much more advanced than the men's. I can't wait to have that conversation. So I don't know if it's going to be next week or the following week, but we will have her on. And um, I think everybody should commit to it. You know, get up there, support women's soccer. You know, we love greatness in America. Get out there and support it. And honestly, it's easy to say this about other sports. And people love to, you know, people love to talk about women's basketball. And, And fans of women's basketball will tell you, well, it's a fundamental game. They play it the way it was meant to be played. Now, I don't see it that way. I see them playing a slower, not as good version of basketball. Soccer is a different animal. Men don't kick the ball much harder than women do. Women don't move quite as quickly, so you've got bigger spaces. It's a more wide-open game. It's a more free-flowing game. Then you look at the goalkeepers. Goalkeepers in the men's game at the international level are 6'4", 6'6". They're these huge guys that you're not going to beat very often. That limits scoring. In the women's game, they're smaller. They're not quite as quick. It's a, it's a completely different game, and I think it's a more beautiful game to watch than the men's game is, period. Um, and the U.S. women just happen to be the very best in the world at it. Yes, sir. Well, no, I was going to say, Robert, you got some perspective on this. You've coached women's basketball before, correct? Correct. What do you hear in terms of the product, the overall product? I mean, I think the women's game is more fundamentally sound than the men's game. Uh, women execute better for the most part uh, than men do. And from as a coach, I like watching women's play for the, for the for that reason. They, I love to watch the game of basketball, not just guys running up and down the floor. Okay, so let me ask you this question. I want you to I want you to honestly answer this. If I take a WNBA team and I match them up against any junior college men's team in the country, there's not a single time that the women are going to beat the men. Is that a true statement or is it not? That's probably true. Okay, I'm going to tell you like this: the U.S. Women's National Team. I would say there are probably not 20 men's college teams in the country that could beat those women. That's how I feel about it. Right. Anybody disagree? No. I'm pretty with it. I'm with you. So when you talk about the equity of the game, I just think it's a different animal. I don't think the men's and women's game is is as comparable in basketball as it is in in yeah due to the athleticism yes and and height yeah you're right well just last night all you got to look at is the gold cup versus the the world the world cup the u.s women move the ball around a lot better than the men do yes a lot and it's not even close all right we'll we'll continue that discussion and more i promise no more baseball or at least just a little bit the rest of the way. 45 minutes to go. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina, right here on WFJ 105.5 FM. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. Fifty feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. 
what? Get ready to pay in point one miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. All right, welcome back to the show. We're in full swing. Um, I, I went back and was and was kind of peeling apart that tirade that Trent went on about Josie Altador earlier. It hurt my ears. <laughs> I, I think I'm a little offended, but I, I think I'm going to be okay. Our illustrious producer Roy Costin during the break, um, he he went back and he analyzed our pattern and said that we've managed now to talk about both bowling and gutters longer than we've talked about baseball on this show. And I'm okay with that. I'm all right with it. Is is there any way to save baseball? Um, Man. You know, in days gone by, we've examined that question. The one that sticks out to me uh, is an idea that came from Brandon, who does not always necessarily uh, confine his thoughts to reality or facts and he did propose that we put wild animals in the outfield and i do think there there might be some validity to that plan don't you think more people would watch it if you just stuck a cheetah out there (laughs) i do a cheetah any greater cat would have me tune in listen robert the the thing with baseball is and, and i am a baseball fan the the problem with the game is this three-outcome approach that these analytics guys have come up with. And they have made it okay and even encouraged guys to swing for the fences every time they get up. They have turned baseball into men's slow-pitch softball, where you're either going to get out or you're going to hit a home run. And, 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 you know, if you do anything else than that, it's just dumb luck. It's a horrible game to watch. And something, some point, is going to cause the game to trend back and make it interesting but baseball's put, you know, the the intentional walk now. They just point to first base. Well, cool. They've been doing that in slow pitch softball for twenty years now. The they have taken everything away. Nobody steals bases anymore. Nobody sacrifices anymore. Um, the strikeout is not frowned upon. 
There is no strategy. It's just let's get a runner on. Once we've got one on, the next three guys up are going to try to swing for the fences, and one of them might hit a home run. It is unbearably bad to watch. I'll tell you what the problem with baseball is, is that baseball enthusiasts and people that really like baseball, like yourself, Chris, if you have to explain to me that, oh, you just don't get the nuance of baseball, if I can't just see it with my eyes and absorb what's cool, right. if, I, if you have to explain to me the nuances of the game. Now, in golf, it's different because I can connect with golf. I know, like, I'm a horrible golfer, but I can connect with c- certain nuances of the game of golf because we go out and hit the white ball every once in a while. But baseball, I haven't touched a bat since I was, like, 16 years old. And then you have to explain to me, well, you know, he did this because of this and shifts in the outfield. Like, again, that's a problem is like the biggest news that baseball comes up with is do you like the shift or do you not like the shift? Do you want do you want um, netting going down both sides of the field or do you not like that? Well, there's a reason that the shift is even a thing these days. You know, they take these numbers. And if you haven't turned on a baseball game, Major League Baseball lately, you'll see that you've got three and four infielders playing on one side of the field. It never has happened before in baseball history. There's a good reason for that. If you give somebody that much space to hit the ball into, they're going to take advantage, and they're just going to hit it there. These guys, don't, they don't even have any desire to. They're like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to yank it down the right field line and hit this home run, and you know, if I don't, I don't. I, there's a reason. It's not that nobody ever considered playing a shift before. You know, I've played in baseball games where we brought a fifth infielder in, did things situationally, but to do this as a standard rule, there's a reason nobody's done it before. The game has changed. It's become a home run hitting contest, and Major League Baseball staked their future and said, well, chicks dig the long ball. Hmm. You know, well, cool. Baseball fans don't, not at that level, and it's killing the game. The other piece of that is that the medical advances – in, in salvaging pitchers' arms and making them stronger have created more velocity on the mound. The ball's coming in harder. You got all these guys that are throwing 100 miles an hour. You know, for years and years and years, Nolan Ryan was the only guy that ever thrown 100 miles an hour. Now every team's got a couple of guys on the roster that do. Well, the harder the ball comes in, the farther it's going to go. And, oh, by the way, the ball is harder now, which means that there's more there's more force created when you hit it these players are focusing on exit velocity and on um, exit angle, trying to hit the ball higher, you know, hitting it at the perfect angle so they can get the maximum distance for it. All those advances are great. But if from a managerial standpoint, from a strategy standpoint, we scaled it back, you would win the baseball fans back. You, you Brandon, said you grew up and weren't a big baseball player. I mean, you're familiar with the game. I, I dropped off around my early teens. Well, the problem with that is is that our generation dropped off around their teens and future generations have dropped off around coming out of the womb. They don't play baseball. So you're talking about a game that is nuanced, that that has a lot of, of technical things going on. There's a lot of deep strategy to it, and nobody's familiar with it because these kids don't play the game. Unless you've got mom and dad who are willing to commit to travel and drop tens of thousands of dollars a year to put you into travel baseball, you're not playing baseball at all. So trying to take all of this stuff and translate it for the general public who doesn't have a baseline knowledge does not sell. 
So I don't know that baseball is salvageable as an American product. You know, what amazes me is there's schools where they're cu- they're cutting baseball programs because they don't have enough kids to play. So I was like, well, I mean, that's unheard of when we were kids. You would get rid of a sport because there was no interest. Uh, I, I, I played baseball as a kid, but, you know, I, I can't imagine being in a high school and not having a program because you can't get nine, well, 15 kids to put, put together a team. Well, and the other piece of it is there might be a, a more baseball players at that school. They're not interested in playing high school baseball. There's no value right. at a lot of these programs because they're playing travel baseball and they're going to these camps and they're playing on these all-star teams and the rest of that and, frankly, don't have time to play high school baseball. If you did the same thing with football and took the premier football programs out of high schools, there'd be a lot more blowback. But with baseball, it's never been a big spectator sport at the high school level, and people just don't care. Well, you know, and my my kids played soccer and tennis, and I, if I run into a parent who has a kid that plays travel baseball, I almost want to give them a hug because it's expensive. Oh, it's horrible. They're always and every time always you ask on the them, road. Every time you hey man, you want to get together this weekend? No, oh, dog, can't. Gonna be in Virginia this weekend. Gonna be in Louisiana this weekend. Gonna be wherever. Yeah, you you're right about giving them a hug. It's and, and awful having to go watch five baseball games over the course of three days or whatever it is. No, thank you. I mean, you're in the sun. How long does a baseball game take? Three hours? You've never, you've never made it past four innings. So. Yeah. <laughs> I got a rule, man. Four-inning rule. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you, you hit it right on the head. You want to give these folks a hug. Now, the one thing baseball has going for it that a lot of sports don't is its international appeal. The problem is is that when you think international appeal and you think disposable dollars that you can monetize a sport, Europe's got to be at the top of the list. They don't play baseball in Europe. So you've got these South American markets, you've got these Asian markets, and it's sort of its own little entity. We haven't figured out how to interface with these cultures and these communities because America is the home of baseball. Right. But when you look at Mexico and Central America and you look at the Asian nations and their baseball programs, baseball is a big deal there. We've got to figure out how to make it a more competitively international game. Right. And, you know, the what, what do they call that? The, the WGC. What's the World Championship of Baseball? What do they call that thing, Trent? What's it called? The World isn't it the world? Don't they call it the World Cup? Nah, they don't call it the World Cup. Anyway, that thing that they play every couple years, you never know that it's coming. And then when they do, you've got the stars from these other nations, whether it's Curacao, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, all of the. It's funny to me that Puerto Rico plays with their own team, but whatever. Um, but the U.S. basically sends its D squad down there, and. It's a it's a showcase that ought to be second to none. And nobody even knows it's going to happen. They don't pay any attention to it. And the rest of the nations in the world have their best and brightest down there because there's a sense of national pride. And Derek Jeter never played in it. Bryce Harper's never played in it. They can't be bothered. Um, that just tells part of the tale right there. If the American viewing public thought it was a big deal and those guys thought it was a way to parlay it into more ad dollars and 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 further their brand they do it but they can't be bothered because they know in the u.s and eh, nobody really cares this is a bad radio question but is baseball in the olympics yes it is it yeah. is 
Have, have you ever sat it? down and watched the baseball game in is the it, Olympics? Is it college kids? I don't even know. World baseball Classic. Yeah, World Baseball Classic. Baseball That's actually WBC. got taken out of yes, the Olympics. Yes, it did. I was just thinking that as you guys asked the question. It was in the Olympics, and it, at the time, it was amateurs playing, and then they took it out of the Olympics for beach volleyball or something. Yeah, some ridiculousness. Um, speaking of the Olympics, I, I saw something the other day that, that kind of made me scratch my head because we bashed U.S. soccer all the time. It, this year's World Cup for the women, seven of the eight teams in the quarterfinals were from Europe. For some unknown reason, the Olympic women's soccer has not expanded in forever. And they've got caps on how many teams from each continent can make the team or make the, the tournament. And Europe only gets three teams into the tournament. It doesn't. It's it's bizarre that the Olympics is so slow to react. But I guess that's what happens when a bunch of old white guys run your sport. They're just slow to react and do things that would seem sensible to anybody else. Because unlike a lot of sports, the Olympics is one of the premium tournaments for women's soccer. It seems like it'd be time to expand the field. Don't you guys agree? I would agree. There's five sports that did expand in the 2020 Olympics. And Talk to me, Goose. And softball is one of them. Oh, they're coming back. It hasn't been in the Olympics since 2008. Look at there. Facts coming to the floor. How many? So, what's the status with baseball? Who's going to play? You I'm don't know. Not you sure, haven't got that far. But they added baseball, softball, basketball, boxing, canoe, kayaking, cycling, fencing, judo. Those ones already seem like they're in there. Judo wasn't wasn't Ronda Rousey like a judo? Medal winner. I don't know if she won a gold, but I know. Why she, would you take she, judo? She medaled in something, some wrestling. Did you watch the uh, was, MMA fight over? The she weekend? was a she was a bronze medal winner in judo. Roy Costin, our illustrious producer, who is an MMA guy, that's his thing. Just drop that in my so, ear. You know, some of, the, out, Roy. some of the best things that happen in the studio, you don't even get a chance to hear because Costin's in, in our ears and he's not in yours. Thankfully, some of the worst things that happen in studio, you don't get a chance to hear either. <laughs> so that's, that's good, too. All right, we'll see you on the other side of the break. Got about a half hour to go. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio, online at CheapSeatRadio.com. Everything we ever do is forever on the internet. Check out the podcast on the iTunes podcast app or through our website, wherever. Stay tuned to Doesn't From matter. the Cheap Seats. We'll be right back. I don't know what we'll talk about, but it'll be cool. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to Goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. 
I can speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had this toe. Everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrity's on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, sports talk radio that won't make your ears bleed. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. Professor Trent A. Nichols. And uh, the what? inimitable Robert Brickey, the creator, the inventor, the pioneer of the crossover dribble. Just look at the wiki page. It's right there. It's right there. Everything is I don't true. know if it's still there or not. i got to check it out. Wiki, Wikipedia took it down at one point. I'm going to have to get, put it back up if it's not there. Do you guys oh. see who's out for the rest of the summer league with an injury? Look. Oh, my gosh. You know, bruised knee. Had it not been for the Paul George trade, Kawhi Leonard signing in L.A., the story would have been, and there's a million punchlines with it, great headlines, that in the middle of Zion Williamson's debut in the Summer League, there was an earthquake. How much cooler could that be? That's that's a movie. He needs to drop a few pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, right? <laughs> So he he went out there. And I guess Altador was in the crowd. <laughs> must have been, man. Um, <laughs> went out there, did his thing, banged knees with another player, and they're calling it a knee bruise. The, the Pelicans don't seem too bent out of shape about it, but they are going to set him down. Don't read too much into this. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of rookies that are not going to see any time right. um, at all. Morant's out, right? Did he hurt his foot? And they sure, he did. Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, we're we're good to do that. But well, speaking well, of speaking well, owner, b- by the way, but shutting them down, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But no. if the win, if I have as, as an owner or GM, and I have Zion Williamson, and the wind blows wrong, I'm sitting him for summer right. league. Yeah, you for know sure. what I mean. Like, you don't want to be the guy that hurts potentially the most exciting player that's come in the league for, since LeBron James. Yeah, and and the other piece, you know, these guys that got traded on draft night. 
those trades were just official. So some of those guys hadn't even reported to their new teams yet. The, The summer league is cool for what it is. I told you yesterday, Robert, it's like crack. I cannot get enough summer league. I could watch that 24-7 for a couple weeks straight, watching these guys, the roster churn at the bottom of the rosters. And there is one thing that we talked about that we both had caught on to. Mine was dumb luck. Yours is actually because it's analysis because you know what you're talking about. (laughs) But some of these teams, the Spurs being a prime example, run the same system down with their summer league team as you see during the regular season. So these guys are being groomed to play in that system. And then you got teams like the Charlotte Hornets, who I watched the other day, run basically their starting lineup in Summer League. They just roll the basketball out. It's just, you know, they're doing their thing. These guys trying to find a shot, doing whatever. And it just is indicative of good franchises versus bad franchises in the NBA. But you said something about John Morant. And, and we do build this show, National Sports with a Carolina Twist. Duke fans... Tyus Jones has had an interesting experience since he came into the NBA. I think most of us, even though it'd be hard to turn your your nose up at the money he made coming out after his freshman year, thought, okay, he's buried out there in Minnesota. Showed some flashes over the last couple years and thought, okay, maybe this kid can, can have a solid NBA career, maybe even start if given the opportunity somewhere. He is a restricted free agent this year. Did you see where he signed an offer sheet? I did not. The Grizzlies. Think about that for a second. He's signing an offer sheet, and it's for $8 million a year. It's a lot of cheese to go sit behind John Morant. I'm confused as to why that's the situation, and certainly there could have been that type of money available someplace else. I know the Mavericks were shopping for a point guard. They're looking at DeLon Wright. But that's just a bizarre turn of events for me that if the money's anywhere e- close to equal, I, I can think I'd go to just about any team in the NBA besides the one that just staked their entire future to a point guard who's not going to play off the ball. Both those guys too small to play the two. So it's just a, a weird turn of events. I'm, I'm kind of blown away by it. Maybe he wants to go to Beale Street. It could be. Like I mean, barbecue. Look, look here, though. You spent time in Memphis, right? Yes. Okay, Memphis is a place, there's plenty of places in the world that are better to visit than to live. Memphis is one of those places that's cooler to visit for about 48 hours. Right, you got to And then go do something else. Yeah. Um, And nothing against Memphis. I do love Memphis barbecue, but the traffic is unbearable. And you've got a handful of blocks down there in that Beale Street area. You know, BB King's and the the rest of that stuff that's down there. Uh, One of my favorite places, the Flying Saucer. Um, I, I just don't get what the appeal of Memphis would be for anybody. Graceland—that's a one-time thing. Dude. Okay, and all these right. guys are multimillionaires. They can take a car to Graceland one time when they visited Memphis as a you know as a <clears throat> as a player, and you've done that. Right. You know, I was happy to drive right past Memphis, just just go right around it. I was offered a position in the army in Memphis one time, and I told them I'll literally go anywhere <laughs> except Memphis, and they sent me to Gulfport, Mississippi. And every day that I was in Gulfport with all of the trials and tribulations there, Gulfport sounds a lot cooler than it is. Not that it's a bad place to live, but the beaches there are abysmal. Really? And it's ungodly hot and humid down there. I thought that was a Redneck Riviera. No. Okay. No, the Redneck Riviera is in Florida. Um, but there we go. Okay. So he- here's the thing. The, the 
Gulfport, Mississippi, every day that I got up and it was 100% humidity outside, I thought, God, I'm not. In, I'm glad I'm not in Memphis. <laughs> you think uh, in Gulfport, you think Terry Holland's out there recruiting players? <laughs> that is so, you know, each of these interviews that we've done with these, with these former ACC stars, I, I take one little nugget away from. That's going to be the one thing with Chris Corciani is that Terry Holland came to recruit him in Florida and was like, hey, let's go take a walk. I bet you had on a sweater, too. <laughs> yeah, right. What are you doing, man? Yeah, I can think of a million things um, better. And, and unless the walk was, hey, let's take a walk because we're going to go meet a guy that's got a bag full of money, I can't think how that was a good idea. You could, right. you could hear the eye roll in Corciani's <laughs> On his face when he as he's telling that story. Oh my God! We wonder sometimes how does this coach do? It? How does they? How do they do it? <laughs> they get all these recruits. They put keep putting these classes together. Well, they're not taking guys for walks in ninety five degree heat. That's I guess, the first. That's rule number one in recruiting. I guess John Crotty likes to walk in one hundred and five degree weather. <laughs> John Crotty, that's a name. You, you got it. No, no way! I was just gonna, I was just gonna joke. If you can find John Crotty, I'll be truly Crotty, impressed. Uh, lives in uh, Miami. He does uh, radio for what? Uh, Miami uh, Hurricanes. Are you kidding me? Oh well. Oh, we got to do that. John Crotty is the is sort of the consummate grit player. I mean, we talked about Hurley. We talked about um, um, Chris Corciani, but Crotty, man. I thought I had his number. That's a grinder. I can find him now. Uh, yeah, we'll him I'm, I'm about that. We'll just touch everybody in the ACC. I'm still waiting on the David Thompson piece. But I could I see. Work that. I could see John Crotty being so annoying to have to play against. Though, right? Oh my God, dude, he was. He Chris was right. Unorthodox. He needed to dribble the ball really low. He stayed left-handed. He he was strong. He was right, man. He was he was a tough cat, man. But Crotty still he, as tough as he was. He still wasn't going to stand in the lane when you and Hurley came down on the break, was he? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So Brandon, you want to talk about the Lakers? And, and I said in the at the beginning of the show. Um, and and by the way, Eric Frank, the uh, beat writer for the the OKC Thunder, apparently TSA is to blame. He was going to get on a plane. We were trying to work the interview for ten thirty. Couldn't do it. We thought we could get it in at nine, but I guess the airport got the better of him. We'll try to get him in so that rather than us wildly speculating about what's going on with Russell Westbrook's head and how people feel about the Paul George trade, we'll hold that so we can get somebody that actually might know what they're talking about. But the Lakers, you feel like might have actually gotten this right on accident. Because you feel like building depth and bringing bunch of uh, back a bunch of B and C list free agents might have actually been superior to adding Kawhi Leonard, and in particular that it might be better for LeBron's legacy. Talk about that. Well, I mean, you know, he got so much ridicule for going down to the Heat to play with the super team with uh, those two guys, and I just feel like if you take, I think right now Kawhi Leonard is either. The second best player in the league, depending on LeBron James' health, he could be the best player in the league. So if you bring on potentially, just say a top five player in the league. Well, I guess they did bring Anthony Davis. But if you bring the hottest name in basketball to your team, any championship he's going to win, they're going to point to that championship as he stacks up to you know the Michael Jordan conversation. So, I mean, I think that this is a better route for him. In fact, I was just looking at his roster. I feel the Lakers are such a hot mess with Palinka. I was looking at the roster and I'm looking for I'm scrolling through the entire roster to see who they have. They have added Quinn Cook. 
And I, there's no AD. And I'm like, why is that? Oh, that's right. Because they haven't actually signed him yet. Because <laughs> Palinka's a moron. But, uh, yeah, I think it will. If he has success, I think it's better for LeBron to maybe not have the other better best player in the league assisting him in these championships. But do you guys, the question I'll throw out there, do you think they added enough to the Lakers to make a push? I mean, I like no. the Cousins signing. I don't like Cousins signing. You don't like I, it? As I text last night, he's damaged goods. I, I don't think he'll make it through the season. So now you're down a player. You've got Rondo who's uh, on the downside side of his career. And who else did they sign? Uh, Quinn Cook, good signing. It's Duncan, only a matter of time until they sign Lance Stevenson. <laughs> right. JaVale McGee JaVale is back McGee. in the fold. They brought in Jared Allen, or Jared Dudley, rather. They got Danny Green. That's, that's, Danny Green, got, nice, that's a nice hat. That's nice a good But you don't have a third piece. And maybe LeBron and AD can carry him, but those, they've got a bunch of B-list. I like Danny Green and, uh, and Quinn Cook signing because they can shoot the ball. Right. They need guys to make shots, but... Overall, I think they're middle of the pack. Well, here's the thing, though, is is when you say middle of the pack, I think what you really mean is middle of the pack amongst the contenders right. because they're Correct. you know they're they're better than average in the West. But you've got five or six teams you're competing with. We're back to the pre Golden State NBA, and LeBron at this advanced age, there are questions. You know, can he hold up? Is when is his game going to start to deteriorate? This is not the dominant. LeBron from four or five years ago, still maybe, if he's healthy, the best player in the NBA. But this is an exciting time because the end of, the end, here's all you need to know. In years gone by, by this time, you and I, Brandon, locked in, when is our fantasy football draft? Right. You know, when are we doing that? Dude, we haven't even started. The NFL, they're, they're doing their thing, and they're doing it in a vacuum because the NBA has sucked all the oxygen out of the room. And this is two or three off-seasons in a row where the NBA has stayed in its consciousness. And a couple of years ago when they started televising Summer League games, we were like, oh, my God, this is cool. Now it's just like, oh, yep, we rolled right into the Summer League, watching these games. You know, this is the rest of it. The, the NBA, NFL tried. The NFL tried with uh, Zeke Elliott talking to the commissioner, but nobody cared. No, you know right. I mean? Well, and it goes back to what I've said a million times, is these guys in the NBA – for years and years and years, they sort of had the specter of the old, you know, 80s cocaine, you know, that series of events and tragedies <laughs> with Lynn Bias and Larry Drew, guys that, guys that got themselves in trouble, wrecked their lives. Spencer Hayward, that was sort of what you thought about when you thought about NBA players. These guys are stand-up citizens. They're giving more money to charity. They're more active in their communities. They're not getting arrested. You never hear about domestic violence. You don't hear about drug charges. These guys are doing it the right way. And the NFL, the biggest story here in the last couple weeks, Zeke Elliott messing around again. Kareem Hunt. How many times is this dude going to get in trouble? You know, it doesn't doesn't do the NFL's brand any good. And, oh, by the way, the NBA is an exciting product, and they just can't continue to get better. Now, we've gone through a couple periods where there was a dominant team. You know, you had the Kobe Shaq Lakers. You had the Bulls before that. You have these Golden State Warriors, and the NBA in each of those has sort of ridden that. Now we don't have that team. There are some people that are going to crow and say, hey, the Clippers are your odds-on favorite. Other people like the Lakers. I team, I actually like some of what the smaller market teams have done. Denver. We forget Denver was a really, really good squad last year. 
They haven't done anything to to take a step backwards. Houston has been at the top of the mountain for the last couple years. The Utah Jazz made some amazing moves. I think Utah might have won the offseason so far. And then you've got some young teams that were on the cusp last year. Watch those Sacramento Kings next year. They're going to be amazing. And I've actually got to kind of peel it apart over the next couple weeks and figure out, all right, there's some teams I think I know for certain are going to get into – the playoffs and Oklahoma City just made another move by the way Jeremy Grant going to Denver for first round pick so the full-blown rebuild is in effect in Oklahoma City and I we've got to get Eric Frank or somebody out there from that market in I want to know where Russell Westbrook is playing basketball next year whether it's in OKC whether it's in New York whether it's in, in Miami Houston whatever the case might be we'll continue to watch that and I'll continue my thought on the other side of the break we've got one segment left to go you're listening to from the cheap seats in Central North Carolina national sports with a Carolina twist stay tuned from the cheap seats will be right back Queens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Cheap Seats, National Sports with a Carolina Twist. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Jeremy Grant, is he Harvey's son or Horace's son? I think it's Harvey. I think he's Harvey's son, too. You remember Harvey and Horace, the twins that played? I played against them at Clemson. You played at Hor- Horace and Clemson. Yep. And, and Harvey played at Oklahoma. He, he was left. on the final four. He was he on the, the team that made the finals. Yep. And Harvey stayed... I want to say Harvey took a red shirt year because I think he was there a year longer than Horace was. I think Horace was a senior, or Harvey was a senior the year after Horace had gone and been drafted by the Bulls. But Jeremy Grant gone in the last couple of minutes, right? Yep. From Oklahoma City to Denver for a number one. And, you know, guys, y'all know I'm a nerd. And this weekend, after Russell Westbrook 
allegedly met with the OKC front office to talk about his future. I'm not willing to read anything into that. I, there, it may well be that Russell went in and said, hey, guys, do what you want to do. Build around me. Could have been that he went in and said, hey, you know what? Get me out of here. I'd love to know what the conversation was. We're going to get to the bottom of that. But when I looked at OKC's roster and I was looking at possible trades, possible moves, possible assets they had that were available, the one thing OKC has is an abundance of swing players. And Jeremy Grant is one of those guys who's a wing scorer, He's athletic. I like that ad for Denver because he's done a lot of things. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he's a lot of things. He's a, he's a willing defender. He's long. He will kill you on the break if you get in his way. I like Jeremy Grant a lot. And yeah. when you figure that Denver is a team that's top seven or eight in the league for the next few years, that first-round pick, not a big deal. Um, Oklahoma City, I don't know at some point what they're going to do with all these picks they're getting, but um, – Probably a good move both ways because that's a guy with Danilo, Danilo Gallinari. Boy, that was easy. Uh, being added, they've kind of got that shooter that, that they, they've needed for the last couple of years, and especially now that George is gone. Jeremy Grant, the odd man out so far. I'd be very, very interested to see the rest of these. And I'm going to tell you this. Most of you listening at home aren't going to know this name when I say it, but Sam Presti, who is the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, is, in my mind as good as anybody out there. We've heard a lot about Danny Ainge and what Danny Ainge did, blah, 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 blah. That Danny Ainge deal, at the time, he made it, the the trade of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett for all those ones from Brooklyn, was not a trade that anybody looked at and were like, this is, you know, huge for the Celtics. They got lucky in that the Nets sort of imploded. Um, Sam Presti, when you look move by move by move, Everything always makes sense. Even the Carmelo deal, when you look at the options that were out there, he took a shot at it. It didn't work out. But uh, Sam Presti is the guy to do this rebuild for OKC. going to be really interested, probably more interested than most people. Y'all probably like, why are we talking about the Thunder? This is North Carolina. Speaking of basketball and the NBA, I told y'all Kimball was going to be gone. And as I watched the Summer League game yesterday against the Spurs, I realized probably three of these guys on the floor are going to be starting for the Hornets, and that's not something you see in the Summer League. But Devontae Graham, I think, I'm a little confused with the Terry Rozier signing. The snap judgment, if you're losing Kimba, is we need to go get a point guard. And Mitch Kupchak said about Terry Rozier, who the, the Hornets have signed, if he was coming out in this year's draft, he'd have been a lottery pick. That's the stupidest thing I've heard lately. If he were coming out this year, he'd be a lottery pick. Well, great. What lottery pick is going to make $60 million over the next three years? Well, yeah, he may be. You're talking about a guy that's not ever been a full-time starter in the NBA, and you just went and made him, by virtue of his contract, the centerpiece of your franchise. It may work out. But, man, come on. How many guys in the NBA are we looking at and we're like, God, that contract's horrible. And when you get into that $20 million annually range, those are the guys that are bad contracts. You've got to reserve that type money for safe bets. Brick, help me out. Make me feel good about Terry Rozier coming to the Hornets. You know what? I would have to take you to a bar and get you really drunk. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to feel better about it. Uh, you put a lot of assets into a guy who you don't know 
if he's going to be your guy of the future. But based on his money, he's going to be your guy of the future. And um, him and Batoon could be. Oh, the, my God. Could, <laughs> they could be the worst contracts in the NBA. And, well, he, Batoon already. Nick is, Batum is one of the worst five contracts in right. the NBA. And it's funny when you look at the talking heads that are these front office analysts and the rest of that, and they look at you know bad contracts and, and, and teams that could take on bad contracts as, as assets and so on and so forth. Batum doesn't even make the list. Right. That that contract is untenable, and he's got two more years on that contract. He's going to make about $55 million over the next two years, and all the Hornets can do is kind of suck it up. Right. Now, next year when he gets into his contract year, they may be able to find a taker to get him off the books. But again, looking at the next couple of years of free agent classes, I think the idea that these teams are going to be <laughs> taking expiring contracts so that they can go into the free agent market is going away. What you're going to see is teams that find value in those contracts is because they have team, they have players in their own pipeline that are going to have to be paid. The Hornets don't have anybody in their own Dude, pipeline. Right. I think the Hornets are doing exactly what they need to do right now, which is you said there's only two notable free agents next year. Yeah. Neither one of them are going to want to go to Charlotte. <laughs> they're going to win. They're, the only way they're going to be good is through the draft. And yep. you've already said they don't have to tank. They're that bad. They're that bad. They're already going to, in fact. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not trying to dissuade you from supporting or buying season tickets. That team's going to lose 65 games. And so why spend $60 million on a guy when, just what you said, they need to build through the draft. They're going to be bad anyway. Why throw away $60 million? And, And, Brick, you've watched them play summer league. You watched them play last year. Devontae Graham right now might be the best player on that team. That's scary. It is horribly scary, but if you're going to let this guy cut his teeth and see what you've got with him, let him roll. Right. Let him roll. I mean, the summer league, you watch that game. Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham are the two surefire pros on that team. Devontae Graham is one of the cheapest players in basketball right now. His second-round pick last year put up huge numbers as he bounced back and forth between the G League. You're watching him in summer league. Kid can run the point for somebody. He's not going to be a star, but let him go out there and cut his teeth. Instead, right. you bring in Rozier, who is not going to play off the ball, with Graham, who cannot play off the ball. So Graham is resigned at, at optimally to be the backup and play 15 minutes a night. Let the kid get out there and cut his teeth. You're going to be horrible anyway. Why tie up this this contract is, with Rozier? Is Charlotte the destination for bad contracts now? I mean, think about it. Moving forward, we're small market. We're not going to sign a big, big time free agent in the free agency period. We're going to have to draft kids and hopefully can hold on to them for at least one signing of a contract. Otherwise, we don't have much of a chance. That's I'm so depressed. Yeah, you right now. you texted out yesterday about the the Hornet summer summer league game. So I was like, all right, I turned it on. I couldn't watch but about three minutes of it. And I did notice they have basically their starting squad out there <laughs> looking Sorry. like they're playing a pickup game in Upstead Park, you know, in Chapel Hill or something like that. But, yeah, they're, they're going to be bad for a couple of years, and I think it's a good thing for, for the Hornets. You think it's a good thing for the Hornets? Well, I, I mean, I get it, but you have to hit on those draft picks. I mean, how long have the Knicks been bad? Long time. I mean, you, you've got to hit on these. You've got uh, – I, I don't know, man. You gotta I, have I don't disagree with you that, that it's not the end of the world because if you're going to be bad, be really, really bad. Right. I just don't have any, not one iota of confidence in that front office 
that they're going to make the right moves. When you watch with what they're doing with managing these these contracts, when you look at, at, at the players that, that slide out of the system, they could have re-signed Jeremy Lamb and kept him in-house for about two-thirds of what they paid Terry Rozier. Well, and of course, in Charlotte Hornets' typical fashion, they wait till they change the the draft lottery, <laughs> so you can yeah, right. even be the worst team and they, not get the number one pick. I know it's amazing. All right, you've been listening from the Cheap Seats. We appreciate you hanging out. Thanks again to Chris Corciani for stopping by. Um, I don't know what we've got in store next week, but it's going to be really, really cool. If you want to see it or listen to anything we've ever done in the past, head to the web. Uh, cheapseatradio.com you can find us on the iTunes podcast app check that out uh, that Chris Corciani interview we're the second listen I'll be checking it out a couple times uh, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us from the Cheap Seats Kristen Lambert Brandon Atkins the inimitable Robert Bricky, Professor Trent A. Nichols uh, we'll see you next week right here at 9 o'clock WFJA 105.5 FM in Sanford North Carolina peace Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.